This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Since the Russian invasion into Ukraine, one thing that's been on a lot of people's minds, especially the Europeans, is energy. Back in 2010, Israel had somewhat of an energy revolution. From a country that relied almost exclusively on imported energy, Israel suddenly became energy rich, along with certain corporations. Some might even say they became filthy rich. The discovery of the Tamal, Leviathan, Karish, and Tanin gas fields under the Mediterranean Sea was no less than striking flammable gold. And it indeed sparked a fiery debate across Israel. Delek, Noble, and a relatively small Israeli company called Ratio were the main ones responsible for finding and extracting the gas. But should they retain the rights to profit from it? Today, we're joined by one of the key figures in this debate, Professor David Gilo, former Director General of the Israeli Antitrust Authority. Professor Gilo received his doctoral degree from Harvard Law. He teaches at Tel Aviv University, and he's won countless awards. We are thrilled to be joined today by Professor David Gilot to talk about Israel's natural resources and monopoly power. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. I'm going to fix my microphone here yeah, because yeah, I feel yeah. like the hunchback of yeah, Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it up. Take it. Yeah, I will, yeah I will. with this one. Exactly. So, looking at the pr- gas prices now in the world, it seems like the the state won, right, against the monop- gas monopolies because we d- in the end, you, you quit because of the... Uh, of the arrangement that was made, if I remember correctly. Uh, the right. whole gas story is extremely complex. You can do a podcast of like four hours about it. But to sum it up, you quit, but eventually they got to some sort of an agreement. To com- they compromised somehow. And there were a lot of critics. And But eventually now, when you look at the gas prices, Israel is one of the cheapest, uh, has the cheapest gas in the world. So can we say that Everyone won? I don't think that comparing prices between the gas prices in Israel and in other places in the world, that's the correct comparison. You have to see how much competition we could have had if the government would be stronger in uh, causing, uh, um, bringing more competition to the market uh, versus the, situ- the situation now, and the situation now is that we we have less competition than we could have had. So wh- what you should ask is, could the prices have been even lower um, than now? And I think uh, they could have. But what happened with the gas, correct me if I'm wrong, but eventually, essentially the state uh, didn't have faith. It thought, nobody ever thought we would have natural resources. So they gave uh, the, how do you call it, the, the, the licenses, licenses to, to look for gas. They gave it like candies, basically, because the cost of the search was extremely high. The risk was 
infinite and the chances were very, very slim. But then after Yitzhak Tshuva, I think, uh, put a lot of money, he stroke gold. And then in retrospect, the state said, oh, one minute, now let's fix the, the terms. Although they already signed the deal with, with him. So, and then they changed their mind and defiled uh, the deal. Is that uh, what happened or am I messing no, up? No, I think, I think you're confusing uh, the issue with taxes Mm-hmm. Uh, with a comp- competition issue. Okay. With taxes, there was a claim that there's a retroactive um, aspect to what the government did. I'm not a tax ex- expert. Um, it wasn't my area. Okay. But with respect to competition, what happened is that, as you said, uh, they controlled uh, certain gas fields, uh, Tamar and Karish Tanin, and then they entered an agreement with the ratio uh, to enter what is now Leviathan. And uh, in our view, they should have uh, come to us uh, for prior approval because in Israel, such uh, agreements are considered restrictive agreements, uh, restraints of trade that require prior approval. Uh, And they didn't do so. So this was uh, a legal uh, violation that they should have uh, taken account of. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, we weren't uh, sort of uh, approaching them uh, retroactively. Um, We just uh, exposed a violation and tried tried to to gain a a remedy that would restore competition. Um, And like I said, had there been competition, for example, between Tamar and Leviathan, uh, like I was uh, striving for, then prices would be much lower than uh, they are now uh, in in a very important market that affects prices of electricity and then the prices of all products uh, produced uh, through electricity. It could have been lower. That's what antitrust people do, you know, antitrust regulators, they strive for more competition in order to get a more competitive outcome. It's not that they strive for uh, an optimal price and then they're satisfied once once the price uh, reaches a a certain threshold. Mm -hmm. They want, if, if uh, um, if it's possible to gain more competition, um, by exposing a violation, then that's what we do. Is there a situation in which you believe that someone can corner the market or a market and and uh, function within a healthy economy and and provide a service in a way that's that's okay or any 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 corporation or any entity that corners a specific market needs to be broken up not corners but actually yeah, controls mean, uh, monopolize yeah well usually a monopoly is uh, produces an inefficient outcome because it's going to charge a monopoly price and that's going to cause the price to be above what is optimal uh, from a welfare perspective, especially from an antitrust point of view that uh, strives to maximize consumer welfare. So this is bad for consumers. You might say uh, we want to give this monopolist um, incentives to invest uh, ex-ante, etc. To excel. Uh, so sometimes we need, in order to, to get that, to stimulate investment, 
um, we need to provide a legal monopoly. That's what happens uh, sometimes with patents, mm -hmm. uh, with pharmaceuticals, etc. We give them um, sort of a monopoly or at least the right to exclude uh, others uh, by law because uh, we think this will stimulate investment. But otherwise, uh, the premise is that we want competition because competition brings prices uh, closer to what is optimal from but a welfare perspective. If we go back to the gas um, story, to me there's something absurd about, about it because the state gave the licenses, right? The resource is very, very limited of gas search licenses in the mid our small piece of the Mediterranean, okay? So no matter what would be the outcome, you would never have real competition because there isn't really a free market here for everyone. It is what you call competition in this story is in fact a fake competition, you know, puppeted from above by the state. So it's just a game. It's not real free market. No, you know, so what, what's the worth of this world, this word competition, if we use it in, in those circumstances? I disagree with that because uh, in this uh, case, for example, uh, if uh, Noble and Delic would not uh, engage in the restrictive agreement with Ratio, mm -hmm. then uh, presumably somebody else would have developed uh, Leviathan. And then we would have competition between Tamar and Leviathan. That would be perfectly natural. I think that's what the um, legislation that privatized uh, this market um, uh, had in mind. Mm -hmm. It wanted uh, licenses to be spread around as many uh, actors as possible. And then uh, I think what you're implying is that the chances that all of them will find gas are very, very low. Mm -hmm. But here we have an example where we had uh, a big uh, field, both in Leviathan and in Tamar. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, why, why we would be lucky enough to have a duopoly of two giants competing with each other over the Israeli consumer. Exactly, but it's not, a, it's not a free market, right? When you say privatized, if it were indeed privatized, you would, the state would take its ends out of it. The, the minute you try to you know, control the market in a centralized way like this, like telling the company, no, it's privatized, but you don't buy him and you don't make a deal with him, and you, then is it really privatized? I think you're confusing between free competition and uh, laissez faire. Okay. You know, you're saying just let them do whatever they want and the government will not interfere. There is such a view in the world, but it's not common. You know, any antitrust authority in any country, including the U.S. before Lena Khan, okay. would say, uh, okay, you can do whatever you want, but there are rules. And if you try to gain control of your rival or uh, engage in an agreement with your rival or potential rival, this might be a violation. This is uh, the way uh, all over the world. So there is some degree of intervention in the market uh, in order to ensure that competition is free competition. And then the premise is that the competition will do the job. Uh, that's where the freedom uh, kicks in. Mm -hmm. 
but it's not, most of the jurisdictions are not laissez fair, you know. Do whatever you want, merge, engage in collusion. That's not the way antitrust law is um, Why did Ratio want to sell to... Well, usually you, w- you want to sell to a competitor because the competitor is offering you a good price mm-hmm. because together you're going to make more money uh, precisely because of elimination of competition. So mm-hmm. the elimination of competition makes it worthwhile for both parties to engage in this. There might also be synergies. I'm not saying that there aren't. But, you but know, sometimes it's efficient uh, to merge. But uh, one, one of the motivations of a merger among uh, potential competitors is uh, precisely eliminating competition. Uh, so that's good for them, but it's bad for consumers. If we talk about what the market is, though, the market is energy, right? And they didn't eliminate competition altogether. I mean, there, there was a deal prior to this with Egypt, right, to acquire natural gas. There, we have, like... Don't we have a deal with Azerbaijan, I think, for, or we used to? There are other gas, like the, not and, only gas. Yeah, and there's not only, ways no, but I think with Azerbaijan, it's petroleum or oil. I'm not sure, but there's a bunch of different ways. I mean, Israel, right before Tamar and Leviathan and all them were importing energy. So it's obviously not necessarily as efficient. But if this monopo- monopoly gets out of hand, they don't actually control 100% of the market. If we, if we keep limiting the market, and I guess that's also a question I have, is like, how do you define a market that you can monopolize, right? Because uh, you can constantly shift the borders of it and then monopolize just what I own. So, I mean, did they really monopolize the energy market in Israel? Well, yes, because uh, the energy market is, you can't define such a broad market because... Uh, Uh, you define a market from the point of view of the consumer. Uh, the consumer here is electricity plants that need the natural gas in order to produce uh, electricity. And for them, at least at the time, buying another kind of fuel was out of the question because it was much more expensive, uh, it's less uh, clean from an environmental point of view, etc. Buying natural gas from another source is a possibility. But the gas from Egypt uh, stopped right before in the revolution this, uh, issue. They blew up yeah. The, yeah. But the even pipes. if we had gas from Egypt, that's only one more rival. So if you have a merger between two major uh, competitors and they have one rival, I don't know an antitrust authority that would approve of that. But here we didn't even have Egypt as a supplier. So it is a merger to monopoly. But... So uh, the pipeline with Egypt blew up the second we found natural gas and well mean, it was very close in in, in time so uh, uh, by the time that um, we knew that we had Leviathan and Tamar in the same hands we didn't really have Egypt uh, Egyptian gas as uh, as an option but uh, st- I, I'm saying even if we had, It's only one more rival. It's a very concentrated market. Mm-hmm. So if you have a market with three firms and two of them merge, uh, it, it's usually going to be blocked. When you gave the licenses or the state gave the licenses, did, and you, they signed the contract, right? The state signed the contract with, uh, with Chuva, the investor, basically, right? Or am I... Well, 
there, was a there, sort there of are a all contract. kinds of regulators in this market. So there's one regulator, the uh, the Department of Energy, mm -hmm. that grants the licenses. Yes. I think this is what you mean when you say the government signed with them. Right. Like I, uh, I'm asking about. But, yeah. but there's another regulator, the Antitrust Authority, mm -hmm. that also has jurisdiction over this market. But in retrospect, uh, uh, so the the Department of Energy cares about you know uh, safety. Uh, let there be gas. I want there to be gas. It doesn't really care about competition and doesn't have the authority or expertise to deal with competition. So you have another regulator, the Antitrust Authority, that its job is to make sure that there's competition. So these sort of transactions are under the jurisdiction of both uh, regulators. So you're saying one of them said, okay, this is fine with me. But uh, this is subject to the approval also uh, of the other regulator. At any point, you can just <laughs> enter the house and, uh, and say, you stop this now. Like it's, better, it's better to stop it at the beginning. So one, one of the so issues... So when they signed this contract, didn't yeah, you... Well, one of the issues here is that when they signed this contract and when they entered Leviathan, mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't there. Uh, my uh, the, the former uh, director general uh, was there, uh, and she didn't approach them to say this is a violation. Uh, Nobody thought. Um, so, so the, one yeah. of their claims was, it, it was in the papers. You know, you knew about it, and you didn't do anything. Yeah. So we assumed it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but that's not something that uh, an antitrust violator can claim. Because, uh, at least in Israel at the time, this is a sort of violation that's uh, subject to prior approval. So the burden is on the parties to come to the regulator and say, listen, I did this, uh, tell me what to do. And in fact, uh, in previous uh, deals that they made, they came to um, the director general that uh, was... Um, in position at, at the time. Mm -hmm. And she told them, listen, you can drill in both fields, but if you find gas in both, you need to sell one of them. So they said, okay, so we don't want this deal. But then when they entered Leviathan, they said, okay, let's not ask. And indeed it worked, you know, um, she didn't approach them. Mm -hmm. They went ahead with it, mm -hmm. found gas in both. But then I came and said this was a violation. So in a sense, the, um, there is a sense here of somebody coming at you retroactively. Mm -hmm. But in this legal environment, uh, it's your problem as a violator because you, you took the, uh, the risk, the risk is on you that you didn't approach the regulator like you should have. So if I understand correctly, the, the issue that the antitrust authority had with uh, Delek and Noble specifically was, the, was, was not Tamar and the prior, the, the prior fields that they had uh, found and excavated. It was the acquisition and merger of the Leviathan field, which made them basically control all the natural gas resources in Israel. Right. And what, what, what was the deal that was on the table that that made you kind of step away and what would you have wanted the deal to look like? What would that, what would have kind of made you happy? 
So uh, yeah, that's exactly right. So um, the, I, I thought the best remedy uh, to competition would be to sell out Tamar. Because you know, Tamar was uh, the developed field, which was uh, the most easy to sell because you know, it's already producing gas. Um, it, had they sold Tamar to somebody else, we would have a duopoly. Tamar in the hands of one entity and Leviathan in the hands of another. And then I would be um, satisfied. Um, or something analogous to that, like for example, selling all of the Israeli gas of Tamar to somebody else. So w one of the options was one for import, let's, one for export. Yeah, let's split the export from the import. We as Israeli consumers don't care about the export. So you can keep um, uh, doing the export, uh, even mm -hmm. though you're in Leviathan. But sell all of the rights to the Israeli but at what uh, price? gas to somebody else. Well, because whatever the, mar the market can bear. You no, can, you can uh, put it on a bid. Because once forcing him to sell, I mean, you know, the, the guy who's buying from him knows that you told him you've got to sell. If I was buying from him, I'd be like... Buddy. Well, uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> you don't have any uh, bargaining power here, right? There could be several such guys that oh, okay. are competing over it. So uh, somebody like this can get a good deal. Not that it's uh, my problem as a regulator. As a regulator, I think about the Israeli consumer and whatever he's going to get for the asset, that's fine with me. But in reality, because it's a very valuable asset, presumably there would be competition over it. And then they would get a good price uh, for it. But to me, it all comes down to, you know, and it, it has to do also with the next topic I want to talk about, which is other markets in Israel. But no matter how you look at it, the state created this problem. The state failed to set the rules straight. How did it fail? Because he didn't give them, an, he didn't sign with them an actual agreement saying, saying you, these are the rules of the license, that, one, two, three, four, five. A, that's in the antitrust law. It's like uh, you would say uh, a thief would say to the police, listen, you didn't told me I'm not allowed to steal. Okay, if, if that's the law, so what, what was the debate about then? Why did you, why did you quit? Well, uh, like you probably know, there's a difference between what's right and what's uh, happening in reality. So you know, what happened in reality is that the government didn't want uh, to uh, argue with uh, the companies too much uh, and didn't want to enter a clash uh, with the companies because of the um, threat of the companies that if they do so, uh, they won't develop Leviathan, and then Israel will suffer, etc. So what they did is uh, use a, a section in the Israeli antitrust law that says that the minister of the economy can uh, bypass um, <laughs> the director general okay. uh, if it's an issue of foreign relations or uh, social security. security. Yeah. Uh, and that's what they uh, said they're going to do, and that's why I quit. I see. Wow. So, how do you look at this in retrospect? Well, you know, it, it was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, Does the market today satisfy you, the gas market, when you look at it? Like I said at the beginning, it, it could have been better. Mm -hmm. Of course, it could have been worse. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a good thing that there is uh, gas. You know, many of the proponents of uh, this agreement with the government say, look, 
look how great it is today. But uh, I need to remind them that um, one of the reasons that there is some competition is also thanks to our intervention. Mm-hmm. If we wouldn't intervene at the time, we would have a single firm controlling all fields. The only reason that they uh, were obliged to give up some of the uh, fields, like Karish Tanin, that did uh, give uh, certain discounts. That who controls um, it today? Uh, it's uh, Energian, uh, a Greek okay. uh, corporation. Um, and we have maybe some competitive tension between Leviathan and Tamar because the ownership isn't identical. Mm-hmm. All of that between is... Between Derek um, and Noble? It's not what I wanted. It's less than the competition that we could have had. But, but it's uh, It's thanks to our intervention. Mm-hmm. Had we not intervened, this uh, also wouldn't uh, have happened. Mm-hmm. When, when I look at the Israeli market, I feel I want to, I mean, maybe we'll circle back to gas at the end, um, but I want to I wanna kind of step into the broader lens of monopolization and, and free markets. And when I look at the Israeli market, I feel like a lot of the times the places that really perturb me the most are the places where, where monopolization or some form of, of, uh, of, protection right i guess monopolization is a protection for market forces because i own the entire market so i can do whatever i want and so some form of protection is actually handed to the players by the government you know if you look at the the food a lot of the food markets eggs and milk and even the agricultural market in israel to imported goods like uh, electronics from electronics all the way to vehicles which in Israel are double the price because the government tells you, you know, um, you have to pay 200 and something percent on a, on a car that would cost you otherwise. You know, I'd own a Tesla if, if I wasn't living in Israel. <laughs> but, um, and, and that's what bothers me the most. It's, it doesn't seem to me like the places that are free to operate are really choking me financially. Well, I think if I understood correctly, what you're saying is that the government has to do a lot with the fact that we have monopolies Mm -hmm. and concentrated markets and lack of competition. And it's true. But I think the government has gone a long way um, to to get away from from this in many aspects, um, especially recently. So, you know, this government that's now ending its um, term. Short tenure. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Did a few things that uh, previous governments uh, did not have the nerve uh, or ability or political uh, ability to do, like agriculture, for example, you know, to to enable import of agricultural products into Israel uh, to reduce um, uh, barriers to import. Uh, of such products. Uh, so this is uh, something that um, would uh, amend uh, some of the Those, market failures yeah. that caused by the government at the time because of uh, some, you know, uh, farmers lobby that uh, sort of arranged for the farmers to be insulated from competition. Yeah. Uh, they're allowed to um, f- fix prices with each other and also they're protected almost completely from import. So as a proponent of competition, because 
you know, I think we, we, we disagree on, on the value of antitrust, but your belief is that there should be more competition. We might disagree, I think, on the methodology, but ultimately you claim to want more competition. So as someone who wants more competition, do you, do you hope that Israel would reduce, for example, the customs on, on everything, m- on everything or on a large part of the uh, products that are imported, uh, the, the, the like do you yeah. want to see the breakup of these things absolutely okay yeah okay that but was a short answer yeah <laughs> no but, but okay. one that makes me happy <laughs> but okay at but, least but we agree about something no but yeah. yeah for sure but 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 you were there like uh, if i were in your job you know i would go on a fight against machonat kanim the what's their name in english i don't know even yeah the standardization Institute. Department Institute, of the Institute. Yeah, yeah I would, I would, uh, you know, I would go to war against against the Ministry of Health, which doesn't allow me and Eitan. If tomorrow I, me and Eitan we want to import cheeses from Italy, we can't do it. We just can't. That, the, which, is, by the way, is the thing that bothers Noor the most. Of course, cheeses from Italy cheeses specifically, or or, or the like fact me. that uh, Ari Deri legislated a law that says that you can only import pork meat if it's kosher. Okay, you know this story? No. It's a, it's a true story. Google it later. Uh, Sounds like an empty set. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, you know, so those are huge things that, that with all due respect to the gas, which, okay, I get it, it's important, but, but those are such basic things. So did you do anything about those things? Sure, we, uh, we argued with the government all the time in order to get more competition, and we got some. Um, we, we managed to uh, narrow down the exemption for farmers. At the time, the exemption was for farmers, and also um, the wholesalers that bought from the farmers. Both of these could do cartels and price fixing as much as they wanted. So we managed to eliminate the cartel between the wholesalers, for example. We fought the uh, Ministry of Health on several occasions. Um, and, and sometimes with success, you know, small successes, one after the other. Mm-hmm. But um, basically, these are political issues that the politicians need to uh, resolve. So the antitrust agency is there to advocate to the politicians. Listen, it's the best thing is to do this. But then the politician needs to listen. I think uh, the, the most... Uh, you just said there's a law. There's a law that gives you power. And I read on the internet, you, you sure, even but, uh, took the more power than others did. Like you interpreted the law even more right. severely. But you can't apply uh, antitrust law to the government. You can just uh, try to convince them. Because when the Minister of Health blocks import, for example or the minister of uh, religion, etc. It's not a violation. It's not an antitrust violation because he's doing it by law. It's a contradiction by his jurisdiction. In a sense. You you cannot enforce antitrust law against um, a government official that's uh, doing something uh, that that he's um, authorized to do. You can only try to convince him. So you come to the Knesset, you come to the, you know, committees and... You lobby. I guess that's the the problem that I think we have with antitrust is that it proposes to to uh, promote competition, but really generally it's from the government. So where is it directed? It's directed at the at the consumer. 
it, at the corporations at the corporations but it's directed at the citizens meaning it's directed at people who are supposed to operate within the free market it's not directed at the at shattering you know uh, issues and and, and economic issues. Pr- protection that's being given by the government because in any democratic um, you know environment then you have these um, um, you know uh, parliament members that legislate laws and they in, um, authorize all kinds of regulators and ministers to do all kinds of things you can't let one of the regulators like the antitrust authority you know attack what uh, the parliament has done in other areas because you know there, there's sort of a rule of law what you're trying to imply I think is to put antitrust law above the, the o- other laws sort of a, a constitution yeah and that's not the case in any uh, I, I would be happy you know <laughs> no, to, to do that but what I'm saying it's is not the case in any jurisdiction what I'm saying is we're trying to it feels to me like we're trying to fix a leak with band-aids like a like a huge gaping hole in a main pipeline with a bunch of band-aids and really to me it seems like the problem in the Israeli economy is more the protections that the government hands down to certain corporations or certain industries or markets and less the monopolization and so i i would i would prefer that the energy or the resources that go into you know funding or operating an antitrust authority would go into actually breaking the the real trusts doing the real trust busting which i feel like is happening within well, the government. which is the government itself but but yeah. that's putting the antitrust authority above the government and that's uh, that's problematic If, so i think uh, it doesn't make um, um regulation of corporations redundant because that's important too you can't say because a lot of the problem is the government we should let the corporations do whatever they want Because then, uh, for sure, they're going to fix prices, monopolize, Maybe merge, etc. So all of the, what's yeah. privatized is going to be monopoly prices. Um, and then you wouldn't achieve um, But here's the problem. Anything. I'll try. It's, it's a big issue. But, but here, that's exactly the point. But by having this antitrust office... Uh, what do they do the politician they send you you come you're very ambitious you go and you go against the banks and you go against I don't know awesome and all those big companies Nova Coca-Cola. yeah Nova coca-cola okay now those are companies for profit okay yes they have lobbies but they didn't legislate they're not responsible for the laws right who's responsible the politicians are responsible you cannot blame the banks and for the regulatory situation in Israel. In the end, it's only the responsibility of the politicians. But their right? responsibility is not to break the, the law. So if they break the law, it's my job to, to enforce uh, the law. Yes, but there are also a lot of vague cases, and it is their job to want to earn as much money as they want. And the moment... No, not as much money as they want, I'm subject to the law. So what you're forgetting here is, is the rule of law. So you, you have... Uh, corporations doing whatever they want subject to all kinds of rules but like you're not allowed to kill you're not allowed yeah. to uh, deal drugs and you're not allowed to fix prices with your competitor but many of those laws are are come to replace a free market because many of those problems would have been maybe solved if you had real competition so what the state does 
it creates a monopolized market. Then it says here, uh, here there's this anti-regulatory system. They will make sure the companies don't profit too much. And here there are those laws that will make sure that the, instead of just you know it's 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 a whole bagel and mind boggler instead of just you know, m having a free market that would solve many of those problems. I agree with you completely. So if the government creates monopolies, that's a problem. And then we have to do whatever we can to prevent that. We can do it in the ballot, not uh, elect a government that uh, did this. Uh, we can do it by advocacy, trying to convince politicians to explain to the public why this is a mistake. But this doesn't mean that when the government creates a competitive market, that is, it allows free entry, it doesn't create a monopoly, it doesn't block competition itself, and then come the firms and block competition. For example? Uh, well, the most extreme case is price fixing. Two competitors in your free market uh, meet together and say, okay, let's charge more from consumers because we're going to make more money. Is this mm -hmm. a violation or not? And antitrust law says, yes, this is a violation, and you're going to go to jail if you do it. So uh, we are for free markets, but the intervention here in the market is we don't allow the firms to harm competition. But would this really I, happen I, in a free market? This yes, yes of course it would happen, because if you want to make more money and you're allowed to do it, you go to your rival, you say, listen, why compete? We're going to make much more money if we don't compete. So let's agree to charge a price of three times what we're charging now. But then the third guy... I think, I think that yeah. the third guy might not be able to enter the market because even if it's free entry and it's not blocked by regulation, it's not always profitable to be a, the third player or the fourth player. But uh, there are barriers to entry. Sometimes these barriers to entry are created by the incumbents themselves and this is a violation too sometimes so you have to um, you have to take account of the fact that competition is never perfect had competition been perfect we wouldn't have a problem but when we have competition it's never perfect because there's only so much uh, room to enter it's not profitable for the fourth or fifth uh, company to enter even if the government doesn't do anything to block it and then you have to make sure that the three, four, five incumbents don't do something to harm competition. I think that there's something, though, that undermines or, or uh, doesn't have faith in the human spirit or, or, or ingenuity, uh, you know, when, when you think about, about corporations price fixing. Meaning, I, 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 I first of all, wonder if it's, it happens as often as you describe or happen or would happen as often as you describe if markets were totally free and even if it did happen i ask myself is it more harmful that the government step in and start regulating and start saying you're not allowed to do this or you're allowed to do that because it's an overreach of power or is it more harmful that they would have a fixed price for a certain amount of time until someone came along and either competed well enough to break it up, or B, came up with an alternative out of human ingenuity. Or said, you know what, natural gas, maybe that's exactly, by the way, I'm not a 
huge proponent of I mean, I'd love green energy if it, if it existed tomorrow, but I'm not someone who advocates, you know, subsidizing. But maybe that's exactly what the green energy market needs. Like, to, to kind of like a, a kid needs to be given, you know, uh, independence and let out and, and can't keep, you can't keep giving him money, otherwise he's going to grow dependent on his parents. They need to compete for real with the fossil fuel market, and then they'll find a way to... To, to well, you know, innovate. it's a matter of ideology. I'm, I'm, I'm certain that uh, other people might feel uh, like you and just say this intervention is too costly. But I'm uh, of the view that uh, some intervention is needed because if it's going to be allowed to harm competition, you can be sure that everybody's going to do so because you always yeah. make more money without competition. Absolutely. And then the premise is that there will be no competition. And I'm certain that this is worse than having some regulation. I guess it's, it's a question of where you draw the lines of fair game, right? Because we all agree that you can't kill the other guy. Right. I do agree that a corporation at I its core, <laughs> I do agree that the corporation at its core is always asking itself, how do we stifle the competitor? Sure. You look at competitors, you don't say, you say competitors are good because maybe they, they are proof that there's a market, but you're not happy that they're there. You wish they weren't and that you own right. the entire Which market. Which is why you're not incentivized to, to reach an agreement with them to fix prices. Yeah, but given that they, they are there and they're there to stay, you prefer cooperating with them. Not fixed prices. Because but otherwise you, you have this um, prisoner's dilemma where you cut prices and then he cuts prices. But you don't factor in so many things. Like if, if I don't know, if two companies... Let's say, I, I don't know which two companies, like uh, Amazon and Best Buy, okay? Let's say they did it, okay? Uh, Amazon you have and Best Buy what? Fixed, fixed price. prices. No, but it's, fixed prices, I think, is, uh, is less of a... Uh, it's mergers, right? Amazon would just say, we don't like the fact that there's a competition. Let, we'll buy you. We'll buy you, okay. Uh, then, then, so what? So there would be a huge... But then tomorrow would be, first of all, so many small vendors. And I don't know. I don't see, as Eitan said, to me, the risk. We saw it just now. There was a story here in Israel about uh, they want to charge heads of big supermarkets for, I don't know, they spoke on the phone or something like that. Uh, what's your take on that story, for example? Ah, you mean public statements? Yeah, they were interviewed, yeah. remember, a few mm -hmm. months ago. They were interviewed about prices, and they were asked about prices, and they said some things about prices. And now the state, I think it's uh, your, someone in, who sits in your position, right? I don't remember his name now. The Michal Cohen? Michal Cohen, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, they intervened, and they want, to, they want to charge some of them, maybe. I don't know if it's, it was published uh, what exactly they suspect, but, but um, there were uh, pa uh, you know, papers uh, saying that the reason for the investigation was public statements, which is, uh, I uh, declare in an interview, for example, that I'm going to raise prices, mm -hmm. or that I think that my rivals should raise prices. I think this should be under uh, some scrutiny because uh, you just agreed with me that if they did so in a closed room, it would be a violation, right? So from the perspective of competition, it must be uh, possible to attack this as a violation if they do this publicly, because it's the same effect. Instead of saying to you in a closed room, listen, let's raise prices, 
I say, I intend to raise prices. I know my rival is hearing me. Mm-hmm. And right. it might react by raising prices. So there must be a possibility to Such intervene. Such a slippery slope, though. I, I know, uh, especially for, speech, uh, for somebody uh, with an ideology like, like yours, it's a problem. But um, I say, if we allow this, then that's the way they're going to fix prices in the future. Because, it's a slippery you know, slope on the... It's a watershed. Yeah, exactly. It's a slippery slope on both uh, sides. So let's talk about real-world examples. Like, what was your problem with Coca-Cola, for example? Well, what Coca-Cola did was um, reach... All kinds of arrangements with uh, clients, like uh, restaurants, kiosks, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. Not to like Microsoft. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of uh, similar to the Microsoft case in a sense. Um, if the restaurant or kiosk uh, w- works with rivals like Pepsi, then Coca-Cola is going to uh, you know, eliminate all kinds of discounts. Stop working with them, etc. What's the problem with that? The problem is, like you just said, uh, a rival would want to exclude his uh, smaller competitors in order to entrench his position. So Coca-Cola as a monopoly is not allowed to um, harm its rivals or interfere with the ability of its rivals to compete. Over all consumers. But are they a monopoly? But why? But why yeah, they're a monopoly. I have to ask a question. Why do, does the restaurant care that Coca-Cola will retract its, will take away its products or make it unavailable? Because people want Coca-Cola because they're right. amazing because it's like a drug, basically. It is kind of a drug. But what I'm saying is they've gotten so good and they provide such a good product that... The, Otherwise, if it was, you know, Shvichkenka, which is like, I don't know, some random yeah, Russian Belarusian. Coke I just made up <laughs> mm-hmm. that sucks, no one would, they'd be like, okay, you can take your Coke and <laughs> go to hell. Like, you know, it might be amazing, but, um, and it's not uh, forbidden to be amazing, but once you're amazing and because of this, you're a dominant firm. There are rules that you must uh, obey. With great power. Because, uh, you know, the premise is uh, that, that if um, there's competition on the merits and we allow Pepsi and RC Cola, etc., to, to compete with Coca-Cola on the merits, that's better for consumers. But isn't because, it... Because, uh, you know, it, it induces Coca-Cola to reduce prices. It might enable Pepsi and RC Cola to be great themselves, But it is... Co- they are competing. How are they not competing? Sure, so, but, but it, it disturbs their ability to compete if you tell a restaurant, listen, you need me because I'm Coca-Cola. So if you work with them even a little bit, mm-hmm. you're going to suffer. I'm going to make you suffer because you need me. You don't That's suffer, a problem. But, but That's not competition on the merits. If you say, listen, I'm offering you a better price, so I want to induce you to buy me. But I don't tell you don't buy him. You can buy him if you want. But my price is so low that you want to buy only me. That's fine. That's competition on the merits. But what's the problem with exclusivity? Why can't Coca-Cola the tell the restaurant, I, I want to be exclusive, it, isn't it? it? It enables you to use your power in order to entrench your power. And then it harms competition. So it's the same sort of rationale that we had before. We want free competition in the market. And we know that the firms are going to do stuff in order to, to harm this competitive process. 
So we, our intervention, uh, it consists of uh, forbidding these firms from harming the competitive process. I think telling Coca-Cola not to do it is harming the competitive process. Because, because first of all, if they weren't, a mono you say we the state defined them as a monopoly, which is also a topic we need to, to talk about because but if they weren't a monopoly, were they allowed to do this act? Like if, I'm, I, if I start a small cola company, I call it Naol Cola, okay? <laughs> and awful, I, go, I go to Atlas Kiosk. <laughs> yeah. you, need a, you need a serious no, branding. I'm putting, uh, I'm putting real Coke inside. <laughs> okay. uh, and I go to Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Atlas Kiosk and I'm like, okay, you want my amazing Coke Cola? No. Then take out all the other comp am I allowed to do it as a non-monopoly as a new company you might be if it doesn't you know if it allows them to compete on the merits that is the kiosk doesn't really need you and it might tell you listen if that's your your term then I don't want you so the other guy might gain its business etc so uh, this sort of uh, so-called vertical agreement of exclusivity for example Mm -hmm. uh, when you're a small company and you try to stimulate exclusivity from a, from a buyer, that could be uh, legal because uh, these are cases where it depends. It depends on the circumstances. It might not harm competition. It might even be pro-competitive that you're doing this in order to give you some sort of push in the market. But if you're a dominant firm and you do this, then it's um, So what's my incentive? Well, your incentive is that uh, if you gain a market share of 90%, like Coca-Cola, then you make a lot of money and you can charge, you know, uh, there's also an issue of excessive pricing that's also forbidden in Israel. And there was a big case in the Supreme Court. Again, so, so what's my but, incentive? But uh, <laughs> still, you, you can charge your cost plus, say, 20%, which is nice. You so know, you, that's your incentive. You, the state, and will tell if, me how if much you to, prove, to If you prove to the court that you would not have invested um, if you wouldn't be able to charge this price, etc. If you have some sort of investment justification for your price, you but, can claim this in court. But if I can make, so if I, if I can charge 50% over... Can't. No, I'm okay. saying if I can, I'm saying if I was able to create a product and sell it and someone would be willing to pay me 50% more than, uh, than what I spent, um, that's, that's illegal in Israel? In my view, if you're a dominant firm, then you're not allowed to charge a so-called excessive price. Ah, if you're a dominant firm. Yeah. Meaning if you control 90% of the market. For not example. A, okay. But... When you say 90% of the market... Not, not okay, like I agree, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you agree with the facts. It's, a le it's less, yeah. it's less but, bad than what I thought. But it's not that Coca-Cola... It's because Coca-Cola is owned... There are two big companies, right? Tempo and the drinking, right? There are two big drink companies. There are th three. Three. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, Coca when you say 90%, you mean that out of the cola drinks, Coca-Cola right. was 90%. Not right. that of all drinks, Coca-Cola was 90%. That's, a, again, a question of market definition. Exactly. So but you, they invented you, I think you would admit that you don't see Sprite as a substitute to Coca-Cola. Right? And Pepsi? No, I, I mean... Um, uh, Why not? It's all drinks. That, that's not soft drinks? dark and bubbly. Soft drinks are soft... Like drinks. Yeah, but most people would say, I want a Coke. So 
Maybe I, I, they I, don't see Pepsi. Those people don't see Pepsi as a substitute. So maybe Coca Cola is the market, and then Pepsi and RC are not even competitors. That could be, but um, RC. Wow. But but for sure, you wouldn't say that water or just club soda. Why not? Be, Why not? Because most people would say this is not interchangeable. Where do you Coca-Cola. draw the line? Then a hamburger is a Coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> no. no, but really. I mean, you have to draw. At some point, you have to draw the, the market. But I, I do agree with Noel in the sense that, I mean, it's arbitrary where I draw it. I mean, well, it, I could say drinks. I could say dark bubbly drinks. And I could say Coke, in which case... Pepsi Coke, if you ask me, they're thieves. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mean uh, it's expensive? No, like uh, they, they stole the just, idea. Oh, I see. They stole the idea. I'm also from Atlanta, Georgia, the birthplace of Coca-Cola. So I, so you you have, know, uh, I have strong but, sentiments about it. But you see it. the point when you say... But, uh, it could be rigorous. Uh, you know, uh, many antitrust authorities say if um, Coca-Cola, for example, is able to raise prices above the competitive price or above cost by 5 to 10%, without uh, too many people going to Pepsi and RC Cola, then Coca-Cola is the market. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a very stringent um, test. No, but there is a so, price above well, yeah, it. The, the above pro- it, people will go to Pepsi. Because look at Apple. Yeah, but, but I think you know, cur- currently example. the price of Coca-Cola is 47% above Pepsi and RC. Okay. And still Coca-Cola has 90, 90%. Because they're better. Because they're better. Yeah, but uh, in my view at least, um, Coca-Cola should be forbidden from charging such a margin. But why? Why not because the free market? Because it's the same rationale like we talked before. So, but here there for is example, if there I convinced you guys that uh, had there been two Coca-Cola companies producing the great drink, uh, and now they fix prices, is that a violation? No. Well, <laughs> I'm talking to you know Chicago people, but uh, they, they, you know most people would say this is a violation. But let's stay in this. And if example. one of them would okay. merge with the other one and they would raise prices, it would be blocked. And if one of them is dominant and excludes the other one from the market, it's going to be attacked as a violation. Why? Because we want the competitive process to to bring prices down to competitive levels. So now we have a situation where it so happened that we have just one Coca-Cola company, and it simply unilaterally did this bad thing that we're trying to prevent by creating a competitive process, raised prices by 47% above Pepsi and RC Cola. So in my view, if antitrust is consistent, it has to forbid this as well. But Coca-Cola is not a, it's, it's one drink. It's not a Coca-Cola company. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's just same one with drink. the merger, price fixing. All of my examples McDonald's before is not were Mc- about a drink. McDonald's if they is were not a McDonald's company. It's a hamburger. It's a fast food company, right? So what's you your c- point? Because you said Coca-Cola is a is a cola. You said like Coca. If the Coca-Cola is one drink out of many, many, many drinks, and half of the, those drinks are owned by another company. So make, saying Coca-Cola is 90% of the market, to me, it's just No, but absurd. that's uh, going back to the market definition question. Yeah, yeah, I'm back into so, market definition. Uh, so we Let's agreed before Sorry, that we define the market yeah. from the point of view of the consumer. And you as a consumer d- does not see water or club soda or, or jada. No. Says no, who? but if most consumers don't see Says those who? as substitutes. Says who? Why not? It's an empirical question. If the, if the answer to this <laughs> empirical question is like you say, yeah. I'm not worried. 
people can, you know, and then Coca-Cola would not be able to raise prices by 47% above Pepsi and Articola because people would just drink water instead. But yeah. from the very fact that they're able to charge such a high price, I know that most people don't see even Pepsi and Articola as such a good substitute. Because the threshold maybe hasn't been met yet. There's still and like 47% is much more than 5% to 10% that most antitrust agencies consider as the benchmark for defining the relevant market. Wait, I, I'm t- I want to go back to that for a second. You don't have much time. Y- yeah, I know. We're about to have to leave our equipment here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you said five perc- if, if I can raise my prices by 5% to 10% and not see a uh, drop. Too many people you leaving. Know, running away. And, and so this is then, profitable for you. Then uh, the market is the one we thought. So, you know, we start from the most narrow market. In this example, the Coca-Cola market. Ah, so, so Coca-Cola is the Might market. Might be a market. Yeah, maybe Coca-Cola has 100% of the relevant market. In Obviously, which case, Coca-Cola what would be the solution in your eyes to break Coca-Cola so, up? So uh, the solution here is wh- exactly what the court tried to do. Say, okay, you're a monopoly, but you're not allowed to charge an excessive price. You have to mimic competition. You have to behave as if there is some competition restraining you. We give you some margin, you know, because uh, we don't want to uh, tell you, uh, you know, charge exactly your cost. That's, that's ridiculous. But, but, but you that, know, take your cost, add 20%. But do you know what fine. they spend their money on? Like, do you know how profitable they are? Do you know? They, well, I don't know. But um, in this case against them, one of the things yeah. that Coca-Cola can do is say, listen, look at our cost. Look how much we spend. On this, on that, on this. Ah, you're saying if they reinvest their money and then they show that they're not profitable beyond a certain point. Yeah, that they're able to show that their profit isn't like it seems. Because, for example, Pepsi and RC Cola invest much less. And that's why they're cheaper. Yeah, but on the other hand, they might say, look, we are profitable like Apple we are profitable because we know that it makes our share we are profitable to this extent because we know it makes our shareholders happy and that's how we've built our you know that's how we've built this system we're we're extremely profitable because we know this is this is how we operate well i mean it's yeah but the the shareholders aren't the stakeholders uh that we have in mind here we think about the consumers so the shareholders are just uh, somebody who shares this profit that antitrust law sees as excessive uh, precisely because of all of these consumers that, for example, because of this price, do not buy. Mm -hmm. And antitrust law sees this as a pity. I think we have to wrap it up because we, I mean, we brought sleeping bags, but I don't (laughs) think you want us to sleep here. I should ask my wife. (laughs) But to wrap it up, we have to ask you finally one question, which is, do you drink Coke? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, fair enough. (laughs) Thank you so much. Really, really interesting. interesting. Really, thank you so much for for hosting us. Uh, Anything like? Are you? You're not. Are you in social media? Are you? No, um, not really. Do you have a website? People can read the NAR, like a study of yours. Well, sure. And in the Tel Aviv University, um, you can find my link in the law faculty's uh, website, and all of my papers are there. Amazing. Awesome. Okay, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much, Professor Gilob. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you.